been talking about uh, this treasure that we have. Those of us who decided to follow Christ, we carry around a treasure inside of us. And the treasure that we carry around is a message that God uses to change our destiny. Those who accept it, he turns a light on and he changes them. And in, it's interesting for me, and, and it makes, makes it just come alive how important this treasure is in, in the context of my father passing away. He knew the Lord, <clears throat> so he moved on into eternity to be with God. When he closed his eyes in this life, he, he moved on into the next, and he, he couldn't hear very well. He, he didn't see. He was legally blind. He, he couldn't walk hardly. He was 93, and now he's seeing, hearing, and running, if he wants to. I don't know if he wants to. He, he could also dance if he'd like to. I've never seen him dance in my life, but if he wants to, he can dance. So I'm, I'm really grateful uh, just for that fact. And it shows how, how priceless this treasure that we carry around is in us in a time like this. My brother and sister were in town, and so we, on the Monday after the funeral service, decided to take a trip to Southgate, our hometown, Southgate, California, about eight and a half miles from downtown. And my brother has a favorite hamburger stand called Lucky Boy that we used to go to, and so he was really looking forward to going to have lunch at Lucky Boy, and we were going to drive around, see what see what's up with Southgate, see how it's holding up after all these years. We got off 710 Freeway, went down Firestone, came up to Lucky Boy. It is now a McDonald's. My brother had a moment of trauma in the back seat, and, you know, he was all set for the burger and onion rings. Great onion rings. I don't really like the burgers as much as the onion rings there, but... We were all slightly disappointed, so we went down, went, kept going down Firestone, turned left on State Street. That's where our church is. This church meant a lot to us. I mean, the people in the church were just tremendous people who really loved us, helped us to really grow up and, and things. So we go on State Street, turn left, and we, we come up to the, and we're looking, and I remember 9325, I think that was the address of the church, it's now an apartment building. So we're in shock at this point. <laughs> Besides losing my dad, now we're losing a lot of other stuff. <laughs> and so we turned down Tweedy Boulevard, used to tool Tweedy, cruise Tweedy in Southgate in the 60s, and go down Tweedy to Bowman Avenue, 9526 Bowman's where I grew up. We get to our house, and my dad built this house with his own hands. He actually tore down barracks in around in the March Air Force area, he tore down the barracks after the war, took the wood to Southgate and built the house with his own hands. So this house means a lot to us. And um, he, he actually did that because he saved money doing it. And the, the wood after the war was green. So it would, as it, as it hardened and aged, it would, the houses would crack. So he, he got aged wood. He's a pretty smart guy, built this house with his own hands. We pull up to the house, and my sister doesn't want to look. She, she doesn't really want to see this. She didn't want to do this whole thing anyway. And we pull up to the house. Well, they've extended it out about, I don't know, several feet, and the whole front of the house is completely different. And so my sister starts crying in the back. <laughs> and I thought, well, life moves on. It doesn't stay still. 
You know, what, what was important about the church were the people, not the building. What's important about the house were the people, not, not the house, even though my dad built it. It's sort of meaningful to us. We used to have a thing I didn't, we did in Sunday school. I don't know if you ever did this. If you went to Sunday school, you'd say, here's the church. Here's the steep, steeple. Open the door, and there's all the people. That's really not right, biblically. If you, di- if you dig into the Bible... It's not as fun because it's kind of cool. You make a little the doors, your thumbs are the doors. It's really a neat thing with the steeple and everything. But if you get into the Bible, you realize it's just like this. There's the church. (laughs) It's not near as fun, but it's the it's the truth. The church is the people. That building was a shell in which God worked. Just like our bodies are clay jars, jars of clay that hold a treasure that is priceless when you look at eternity, when you look at what God wants to do. And so we have this assignment from God to carry around this treasure inside of us as a congregation and as individuals who are following Christ. We, we carry this treasure around. Look at Second Corinthians 4. This is the passage that we've been digging into and... This message series and next one really describe who we are as a church and what we're all about. So uh, this, this passage shows really the centerpiece of our congregation. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul is describing his ministry here. God had him write this down so that we could learn from him. And <clears throat> he's describing what it is he does, and then he goes into... Uh, how he goes about it, how he goes about carrying this treasure around, sharing the treasure with others, which is his ministry that he's referring to. It says, rather than losing heart, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness. This is a reference to creation. He's the one, he turned the lights on in the world. He said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So the same kind of work that God did at creation to turn the lights on for the entire world, he does it in our hearts when we come to know Christ. He enlightens us. The light comes on and, boy, things begin to change. That's why this is such a treasure. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's, it's, not, about, it's not about us. It's, it's his power that works. This treasure that it refers to there in that last verse is our centerpiece at CIV. This is what we organize church life around, this treasure, helping others come to know it, understand it, and value it as well, to see it as a priceless thing that... <clears throat> God has given, because it's this message that if we accept it, begins to change us from the inside out, 
Eternity becomes secure for us, and life gets good as we learn to follow him in line with this truth that we understand. Verse 2 there is an important one. What we want to do as a congregation is we want to lay out the truth plainly and help people see completely, and I want to explain that. We want to lay out the truth plainly for people and help them see completely. That's what he's talking about in verse 2 of that passage I just read. It says, "We, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience. If you're investigating Christianity, you haven't yet committed your life to him, I want you to know that what we're trying to do is set out the truth plainly. Um, we, we just want you to know it so you can examine it and decide for yourself whether or not you're ready to commit to Christ. But we, one of the core things of what we're trying to do here on Sunday mornings is we want to make sense of this message for you. It said there in that passage, we don't distort the word of God. And the New Testament was written in Greek, and many times if you dig into the Greek, it's a, it's the, the Greek language is much richer than English language. And if you find out what the root of the word is, many times you can understand more about what the writer was trying to say in the, in the verse. And um, the root of that word distort, the word of God, is it means literally to catch with bait. That's what it means, like a lure. You know, when you go fishing, you use a lure. Or you use some kind of bait, but a lure is intended to deceive the fish, to make the fish think it's, it's food. They bite the lure, it hooks them in the lip, and you pull them into the boat against their will. And that's, that's what we think is fun. <laughs> you know, the fight. We're dragging them in. Well, what Paul's saying here is we lay out the truth plainly for people, we don't use bait. We don't use a lure. We're not trying to deceive. And we're certainly not going to hook people on the lip and try to drag them into the boat against their will. That's not how God works. That's not what God's into, and we aren't either. And so as a congregation, what we're trying to do is get the truth out there so that you can decide. And we are committed not to pressure anyone. In fact, that's in the other part of that verse where Paul says we commend ourselves <clears throat> to every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's really what he's saying there. We, we shouldn't pressure people, pound them with this truth. Just lay it out there for them to see and let God draw them to himself. That's what, that's what God wants. The word conscience means to see completely. So people are blinded in our natural state. We're blinded. Conscience has this idea of if you're trying to communicate a a message, the goal is for the person you're communicating to to have the same understanding as you, the one who's trying to communicate it. That's That's a very difficult task in even a normal conversation around lunch. But we're trying to make sense for people out of a message that they don't understand, and the goal is to commend yourself to their conscience. Um, What this means is this co-perception is the goal, or helping people see it completely. 
God is saying that you don't want to try to force people to commit to something they're not ready to commit to. That, that's, that's what he's saying here. If people cave into something under pressure, then they violated their conscience in this sense. It's not talking about right and wrong. But they haven't seen completely what it is that you're trying to communicate so they don't, with all their heart and mind, dive in. And that's not what we're trying to do. It's kind of like I, I thought of a timeshare presentation when I, when I read that conscience thing. I mean, you ever thought, you ever been to one of those? I have never been. Because I'm pretty sure I would cave in. I just, I'd start thinking, you know, this guy needs lunch tomorrow. He might have a family. He probably, you know, I just, I just, I just, I just don't go. Because I'd cave. But you know, you go to the 30 minute presentation. And you're sitting there and they're just going to show you the property and teach you some things, you know, about how it all works. And three and a half, four hours later, my, my sister just went to one. Three and a half hours to four hours, she said, she had, they had to keep telling people no. The gal she was with was a widow, recent widow, wasn't ready to make any kind of decision, but they just kept pounding. That, that's not what God wants done with his message. He wants us to lay out the truth plainly so that people can begin to understand it and be drawn to him. The message actually packs a punch. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. So we're just trying to get the message out there, help it make sense to you. And it's it's a difficult thing to do because... It doesn't, it doesn't all, it doesn't innately make sense to human beings, this message. Um, and due to our, the way our hearts are wild, wired, due to our culture, um, and because of the blinding that Satan does that's, that's mentioned in this verse, it, it doesn't make much sense to follow Christ. My nephew got into paragliding, and that didn't make much sense to me, frankly. I mean, I used to I used to give him a bad time. He's sort of a stickler for details, and I used to tell him, you know, I you know I don't understand why you go jumping off of cliffs. And he'd say, Well, I don't jump off cliffs; I run off them. And I thought, either way, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't I don't care, you know, whether you're jumping or running. That that's just not something. Now I can understand if you have a purpose. You're you're you know you're you're gliding in behind enemy lines to fight a war. Okay, but that's that's not something I just want to do for fun, is jump out of a you know off a cliff. Um, that's the same challenge that we face as we try to communicate this. It doesn't make sense to them. Actually, following Christ is like running off a cliff to most people without the parachute. It just completely doesn't doesn't make sense. But God's given us this assignment. As a church, this is the centerpiece of what we're trying to do, is help people make sense of this. Because once it clicks, it really makes sense. And God turns a light on, and your life begins to change. And we're also focusing on how we can all pitch in together to help accomplish this mission of getting this message to people so that things can begin to click, so the lights can begin to go on, so you can be free from the bondage and, and the spiritual death that you'd experienced in the past. So here's a plan that we're talking about in this series. Invest and invite. This is what God wants us to do. 
This is our role, to invest in the people around us, serving them, praying for them, looking for needs, trying to meet them, and then inviting them to come to know Christ as well. And one of the easiest ways to get involved, I'm not saying it's easy because it still takes courage, one of the easiest ways is to just invite them to come to this, to this meeting so they can begin to hear the message and make sense of that. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 said, For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. This is our role. Invest in others, serve them, and invite them to meet Jesus Christ. He's our message. He's the one we serve. Here's a lesson from the coffee house. I've been reading the book, a book called The Starbucks Experience. It describes how Starbucks goes about doing their business. And... <clears throat> I read this. One of the things they try to do with their customers as they walk in, they try to, first of all, connect. So they try to get to know your name, try to remember your name. And then they try to discover what you, your preferences, what kind of drink you like, and the way you like it. They'll try to remember that. And then they try to respond to whatever your, your needs are. And so this, as I read that, what, you know, Starbucks does that to try to sell more coffee. And I thought, that's exactly the role that the Lord's given us in trying to help others come to know him. We're to connect with them, discover, get to know them, and then respond to their needs. <clears throat> this is also what Jesus did. Read John 4 sometime. I'm not going to go through the whole passage, but read John 4 sometime and... Check out how Jesus related to the woman there that he met at the well. Um, first of all, he connected with her. He spoke to her. She was a Samaritan and she was a woman. He was a Jewish man. And in his day, Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other. Men and women didn't speak to each other in public places. But he connected with her. He took initiative to speak to her in spite of those two things. He connected and then he got into a conversation with her where he began to discover some of her needs. He, he found out that she had five husbands. The man she was living with currently wasn't, wasn't her husband. And so he, he, he discovered her needs, and he, he realized that, like everybody else on the face of the earth, she has a thirst that she's trying to quench with, through these men. And so he pointed her to the source of life that will meet her needs, pointed her to a source of life that will meet her needs on a deeper level and quench her thirst in this way. He connected, he discovered, and he responded. That's, that's really a simple picture of what God wants us to do as we live in our neighborhoods, operate in our families, go to work, Meet people in different places. He wants us to connect with people, find out what's going on, get to know them enough to see their needs, and then serve them and point them to the one who can really meet their deepest needs in life. God leaves us in the middle of the mess of life because he wants us to invest in people and invite them to come to know Christ, the one who can really meet their deepest needs. Let's wrap up this message by looking at our motivation, which is God's mercy and the stewardship he's given us. 
Go back to verse 1 in that passage, and it says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. It's easy to lose heart because the media and the culture in America did not support what we're all about. So it's easy to get deceived by that, get distracted, and to think, how is this going to make sense to anybody? And they're going to think I'm crazy because I'm about to ask them to run off a cliff without a parachute. And so it can be very intimidating. It's easy to lose heart. But the reason we don't and what motivates us to keep going is God's mercy and kindness to us. We are grateful. If you've experienced God's mercy in your life, you've experienced his grace, he, he, he's shown his kindness to you and you've responded to it by turning around, committing your life to Christ. He's, he's wiped your stains away. He's forgiven your sin. And you are incredibly grateful for what he's done. That motivates you to share this treasure with other people. We also have this ministry. It's been given to us by God, which is a stewardship, which simply means we've been entrusted with something. A steward has been entrusted with something. So we're these jars of clay. We've been entrusted with this treasure. And since God has shown his mercy to us, trusted us enough to give us this, we are motivated to share that treasure with the people around us. Now, you may be scared when you think about inviting others or sharing Christ with others. But if you know God's mercy, you're grateful for it, and you realize how you've been entrusted with this message, God can use you in the lives of the people around you. And it is an adventure to begin to watch God work. I'd like you to take a moment as we're wrapping up here. Um, take a moment and list the people that are on your heart that need to know the Lord that you'd like to invite in the next several weeks. To We have a special event on September 16th coming up. Um, I'm going to start a message series that I think will be real relevant to, to needs, and we're going to have in and out lunch. And... We'd like, we'd like to invite your friends. I'd, I'd like for you to invite your friends and family to this event. Um, that's what God's assigned to us. So take a minute and list them on that welcome card, that blue card, the ones that you'd like to invite that need to, need to know God. And we'll begin to pray with you about them, for them. Because that's the first way you can make an investment is to begin to pray and serve. Just write that on the welcome card, drop it by later on, and we will pray with you. As, as I wrap up this time in prayer, would the band come up, and we'll get ready to keep moving in worship. Father, we thank you for the truth we find in your word that really sets us free and helps us to understand our purpose in life. God, you, you've made us and you put us here, and you want to use us to, to help people understand the truth so that the light can go on in their hearts so that lives can change. Eternal destinies are di- you know, different. Life goes on forever for those who come to you. And uh, real life, good, good life, that begins to invade our histories right here as we live differently, relate differently, as our families are changed. God, this is a treasure that we have from you. Help us, Father, to invest in the people around us that you bring around and be faithful to explain the message, and invite them to hear it. God, we ask for your help in this. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. He needs help, even if he doesn't know it. Well, maybe he does know it. Yeah, maybe. Look, he has to come back into the agency. Whatever he's doing out there, it's not going to get any better until he comes back in. He's probably scared. Even of the agency. Even of us. Well, we have to help him see. When is he going to call? We should just call him. What are we waiting for? It might make him uncomfortable. Not necessarily. How do you know? I just don't want to spook him. He needs our help. You're right. Who is this? Liam, it's us. Dan and Doug. I'm on speakerphone. Nobody else is here. Why are you calling me? Well, we want you to come in. Hello, Liam, are you... I heard you. So... I don't see the point, and I'm deep undercover right now. You have been for quite some time, right? Liam, how are you? Just great. I have no idea what the results of my work will be. I don't know who I'm working for, what I'm working for. I could use a little support. Well, that's exactly why we need to talk to you. It's got to be terribly frustrating out there, all alone and cut off. No one knows me. This role I played out here, undercover, I perfected my appearance to make it work. People look right past me because I've made myself invisible for the sake of my mission. But there's no point to it, and I'm left invisible in the crowd as life passes by all around. You need to come in. There is a mission, Liam. There is a point. You're cut off from it because you're undercover, but if you come in, we can start to show you. If you come in, it'll all make sense. This is not what I signed up for. It was supposed to be something else. I should have a nice desk job like you two. Nice and easy, no doubt. Well, not really. We're not in here as often as you think. Listen, we've been there. The details are different, of course. Of course. We've been there. Outside. Cut off. Confused about what's going on. We've been there. No. No? You've no idea the things I've done. I'm sorry? What do you mean, Liam? You have no idea. Look, if you come in, this will make sense, no matter what you've done. It won't hurt you to take a look, will it? If you're wasting my time, I'll just walk away. I'll disappear again. If we're wasting your time, you should, but we're not. All right. What about all the others? Who's going to help them? We're counting on the desk agents close to them to bring them in. One by one, so that you can see how you fit into it all.